How are y'all doing this morning? Everybody say, I am free. free. Why are you free? The scripture just told us that that, that, so I said, it's for freedom. It's like, well, you gotta be, you know, it's like he sets you free and it's like, what, what am I free to do? What, what, so you be free. Jesus' heart is for you to be free. Jesus' heart is to set you free for freedom's sake. He wants you to be free. That's his heart. There's no, God doesn't set you free and now you're, now you're mine. Now you're going to do it. I, you know, that's not the way Jesus operates. It is for freedom that he has set you free. He wants to see us free. Everybody say, I am free. How many of you in here are um, uh, really struggling with the new menu options that Sonic has to offer, such as the uh, yellow cake batter shake? Um, raise your hand and just confess right in here today. Um, last night, this morning, I woke up with a lot of heavy guilt because last night I fell into their trap and and I tried that. And uh, I went picked up Haven from... Um, from a youth event and, and I don't get to spend a lot of time with Haven. And so that's my excuse is anytime you want to spend time with somebody, what you, you go to Sonic or you get something unhealthy, you know, it's like, that's, I don't know how we can't have community without food. If we could figure that out, I know we'd all be a lot better for it. But so I take her to Sonic and, and she, she's, I'm like, what do you want to get? She's like, I'm going to get a hot fudge Sunday, you know, cause she's a teenager and can do that. And uh, I was like, well, and then I was like, what am I going to get? And then it pops up, you know, the animations and everything. I'm like, oh, and uh, so I just got drawn in the yellow cake batter shake. It was it was it was not good. It was awful. Um, I had two choices, that or the brownie something, something. That's where the direction I should have went. You know what the yellow cake batter shake is? I guarantee you. I taste took one drink. I know what this is. This is a vanilla shake with about a half a cup of yellow cake mix mixed in it. That's all it was. It was gritty. It was slimy. And it just, I love, like, a, the butter recipe cake mix right out of the bowl. Ooh. I'll eat, you know, I'll do more than just clean the bowl. I'll leave some just to eat. But, and I justify it by, like, well, we're going to eat it when it's baked anyway. You might as well eat it before it's baked. <laughs> oh, it's not? Okay. Well, anyway, and so, but I, you know, you, you paid for it. You might as well drink it all. But anyway, I feel guilty about that. I'm always struggling um, with things like that because I, I just, I love food. I just love to eat. I love, if there's something new, I want to try it. I was watching an old show, like from 10 years ago, and they had on the show, it was, they featured uh, a Pizza Hut pizza from the 90s. And there, there was, it was new then, but it was a uh, crazy, crazy, cheesy, you know, something crust. It was like, I mean, it was all this cheese built into the crust. And oh, man, I just love <laughs> um, But anyway, um, so this morning I felt, up, I woke up, I felt guilty. So there's two conclusions that I usually come to uh, after I've, if I feel really guilty, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've eaten something I shouldn't eat. I've got two things. One is, I used to be this all the time. It's like, I'm going to get up tomorrow. I'm going to run that off. I'm going to work that off. And you know, I did some research, and that's physically impossible. You cannot burn 500 calories in a run. 
I mean, you would have to like, I mean, for, for a mini, a mini Sonic shake, I would have to work out for like three days in a row just to work off that one little shake. It don't work. And so now I just, I just go, I just go into deep, dark depression over it. And I'm just like, and you know what I do when I'm depressed? I eat. I eat when I'm depressed. And so it's a, it's a cycle. And that's kind of a dumb illustration. But that is on a deeper level. That's what a lot of us live with day in and day out. It's a constant cycle of we mess up or even somebody else messes up. We didn't have anything to do with it. But something happens in our life. And we feel guilt. We feel remorse. But then we settle into something else. That God never intended. And that's the word called shame. So over the last several weeks. We've been going through this Cairo season. And pastor has been. Uh, basically calling out the devil. On everything that the devil has done in our life. And, um, and, and just kind of. Making public. What the devil has tried to do. And now we're shifting. And pastor has asked us to enter now post Easter. Into this time. Of calling ourselves out. So starting in this service and, and next week is going to be fantastic. That's the one you should have come to. That's going to be Pastor Stephen Willis uh, from Canada is going to come down and he's going to be sharing next week. But this week we're going to be talking about guilt, shame and regret. Um, so if you feel stuck in shame, if you feel like you've been you've gotten stuck and, 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 and it doesn't even have to be something that happened yesterday like me. It could have been something that happened 20, 25, 30 years ago. It may have even happened and it probably did happen before you knew about the redemptive power of the cross. But in that moment, you didn't know the answer. And so you settled into this thing called shame. And then when you came to Christ... You didn't bring that with you. When you came to Christ, you didn't deal with everything. And so now we're going to be going through this process uh, over the next few weeks of just identifying those things and say, yeah, that needs to go to the cross. That needs to be redeemed. So if we feel that we're stuck in that. And let me tell you something. Everybody is stuck in something. That we've all experienced something in our life, in our past, that is limiting us from what God has created and called us to do. None of us are walking fully 100%. I don't think. I'm not. In what God has called us and actually designed and created us to do. And if that's the case, then there is something that's limiting us. And most likely, it's guilt that has allowed to move into shame. So let's read in Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 21. It says this. It says, When he came to Nazareth, where he had been raised, he went into the synagogue as he always did on the Sabbath day. Everybody say, always did. Always did. We'll leave that right there. But when Jesus came to the front to read the scriptures, they handed him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Did Jesus have any control over which scroll they handed him? I don't, I don't think so, but he handed him the perfect scroll. And it lets me know this, that God is in control of things that I'm not. And when Jesus got ready to read, I think he had intended to read from the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And so that's very encouraging to me because he opened it or he unrolled the scroll and read where it is written. 
The spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to be what hope for the poor healing for the brokenhearted and new eyes for the blind and to preach to prisoners. You are set free. This is how Jesus starts. His. His is his proclamation of what his ministry is. This is his public uh, announcement to the church and to the world. This is why I am here. This is why I have come. I don't know why anybody can go through Easter and then think about the cross and what Jesus went through on the cross and everything that he didn't have to do, but he did it anyway and still say, God don't love me and still say that God doesn't have anything good for me. Guys, I want to tell you, Easter is a reminder of this right here. The goodness of God, that he is hope for the poor. He's healing for the brokenhearted, new eyes for the blind. But he's come to preach to prisoners. And if you're in here today and anything has bound you, you are a prisoner. And he's saying to you, you are set free. His intention this morning is to say to you directly, to look deeply into your eyes and say, you are set free. Not you will be set free. Not you could be set free. You are set free. Um, we, we had this uh, last Easter, uh, last week in Easter, we had this production, which everybody just did. Didn't everybody do just such an awesome job? Everett and Yafet and Mallory and Nini and uh, who else? Everybody that got up here just did so good. And I was so nervous for them, weren't you? Wouldn't you? I was just like, this is so much to throw on somebody. But it's just like everybody just did it so awesome. It was like there was a special anointing on each person. And when Everett, when Everett, when Everett got up there and he said, uh, um, he started talking about his testimony and everything. It was kind of vague. I knew who, he was, who his character was, but a lot of people didn't. And then he said, my name used to be Saul. And it was just like that revelation of who he was. Everybody was just like, oh, I could just see it on everybody's faces. Like, oh, Paul. Oh, you know, it was just so good. In fact, I missed two cues in the booth because of uh, when Nene, her whole dialogue here, I was just riveted by that. And it was like I was supposed to do something up there. I totally missed it because I wasn't paying attention to that. And then... Um, but it was just such an awesome, awesome service. But the thing that Pastor, you know, he wanted, he asked me, of course, he asked me like five minutes before the service to, to introduce the, the woman caught in adultery. And so I got up here and I was going to talk about forgiveness. And, uh, but in the, the minute that I started looking for some scripture and, and started to put something together, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about me. And the Holy Spirit began to deal with me. And I still haven't escaped that. You just like three minute little spiel that I did. I still haven't escaped what the Holy Spirit is doing in me uh, because of that. The woman caught in adultery. I've heard that. In fact, I almost I don't want to say I resent. I, I almost don't like that story because I've heard it preached so many times to 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 cover stuff up. I don't know if you know what I'm saying, but something happens in the church and the next message is going to be the woman caught in adultery and how we don't need to judge. And, you know, and it's almost like it became it became this thing. But in this is so there is a living story here. And when when uh, they when the, when they portrayed the whole the character and everything like that, it opened up my eyes to the fact that this person 
was in the middle of the most shameful moment of their life. Caught in adultery. Married, obviously. Caught in adultery. Not just caught. That's shameful. That's, that, would be, that would be totally embarrassing. Caught in the... <laughs> thank you for clarifying, Ms. Early. I, I'm glad I didn't have to go there. And then they, they brought her... <laughs> I just, I just kind of leave it out there and somebody's going to go there. So, um, But they brought her bef- into the middle of the town before this total stranger who was, uh, you know, an, who everybody knew this, this man was a great prophet and everything, brought him to him and all the town leaders were there. I mean, can you think of a more embarrassing, shameful situation? And Jesus knew this. This is going to destroy this woman. This fell, yes, she, she messed up, yes. And, and we don't even know the whole story. I know a lot. I, being in church world, you know, you think you know a lot of stories. But I guarantee you, as long as there's, I ain't even gonna go there. But, uh, I'm just saying, men are men, and, and men judge women, and we'll just leave it at that. But, <laughs> um, I don't even know what I was saying. Okay, so, um, so they caught her, they brought her there, and Jesus knew this. This is going to destroy this woman. This is going to destroy her life. Not that she messed up, but what she carries out of this encounter right here is going to either destroy her or release her. And it was for freedom that Jesus set her free. How do we know that? Because he said, go and sin no more. His heart was, I don't ever want you to be bound again. Don't get back in these chains again. So he set her free. And so it wasn't so much, we always use that about judging, but that's the subject of of that whole encounter. I don't believe was about judging as much as it was about freedom. And about Jesus' desire for us to be free. God wants us to be free from sin, yes. But God wants us to be free from the shame of our sin. The things that we've done that still hold us bound. And maybe we've moved on from those things, but we still feel shame and regret about those things. Those are the things that Jesus is saying that you are free from. So... This is what it says in 1 John 1, 9. It says, but if we freely admit our sins, when his light uncovers them, let me give you a heads up. His light will uncover them. <laughs> and the most, the most merciful, gracious, loving thing that God can do in your life is reveal your sin. And I, I'll tell you right now, I know from experience that God carries cares nothing about your pride. He cares about your freedom. And our pride stands in the way of our freedom a lot of times. And so it says, when His light uncovers them, He will be faithful. Everybody say faithful. To forgive us every time. Every time. God is just To forgive us our sins because of Christ. And He will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what that tells me? 
That tells me it doesn't stop. That doesn't tell me that tells me that when I got saved, I did not become perfect. My work just started. It says that he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means that there is unrighteousness that's always going to be coming out to the surface. And he's just, he's faithful. He will cleanse us from all, continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A lot of us are still, even though we're, we're, we're born again, we're believers, we're still in bondage in some way or another. And it may not be to what you're doing right now. And I, I just want to let you know that if you are in sin right now and it's habitual sin, you're in bondage to that. And if you can't, if you, if there's something in your life that you have no control of, you are a slave to that. If it's ruling and running your life, you are its slave. You are its servant. And so all of us have some kind of bondage in our life. But it doesn't have to be sin that you're involved in habitually right now. Some of us could be in bondage to what we've done, something that's happened or what we've done in the past. Um, we're restrained from living the future that God has intended for us because we are chained to the past. You cannot go forward fully, at least in that area, into what God has destined and designed for you until you are released from that thing in your past. This is what it says in Isaiah 54, 4. And that is, that's an interesting slide. Where'd that come from? I like the one that I made. Um, the, uh, this is what it says in, um, in Isaiah 54, 4. And this is our key scripture. This is the one that we're going to be breaking apart. And this is the one that we are going to be uh, dissecting. And this is actually out of the same scroll that Jesus read from when he stated his purpose and his, his plan uh, in his relationship toward us. This is in that same scroll. It says this. It says, fear not. Everybody say, fear not. You will not be ashamed. Be not confounded. For you will not be disgraced. For you will forget. Everybody say, I, I will, will forget. You will forget the shame of your youth. And the reproach of your widowhood, you will remember no more. A lot of times in the Old Testament, uh, especially, we'll read it and we'll say... You know, and we just kind of skip over stuff and we say that don't make a lot of sense. I don't know why they worded it that way. That's just Old Testament, the way they said that or whatever. But no, there's a reason why Isaiah, God through Isaiah, says this in this verse. The shame of your youth entails what you've done. Whereas the reproach of your widowhood entails what's been done to you. See, listen. We all did dumb stuff before we were saved. Some of us did a lot of dumb stuff. When I say some of us, I'm including myself after we were saved. Um, But we're all when when he's talking about when he says that about the shame of your youth, we can all identify with that because there's all things, always things that we've done in our past, either before we knew better or before we knew what the consequences would be. Then 
that we, we're all having to deal with and, and to filter through and to bring to the cross on a constant basis. Um, everybody do this with me real quick. I was going to do this at the end, but let's do it now. Um, so close your eyes really quick. Everybody close your eyes. Don't go to sleep. Just close your eyes. And think back through your childhood. Think back. Just graze, Just hit the highlights. Into your teenage years. Into your young adult years. Was there a moment that you skipped over? Was there a moment in your thoughts that you just you did that you didn't include? Was there a part of your past that when you think about your past and you think about where you've been and, and, and your life and how things have transpired and you leave a part out? You'd rather not think about that. That part has not been redeemed. Let me tell you what redemption is. Redemption is everything made new. Not just I can move on from that thing and not have to think about that thing. But let me tell you what God does. God will take something that is hopeless and he will turn it around. And you don't know how it happened. You could have never predicted it. You could never plan the way that God does things. But he will take something that is hopeless. He will take something that there is there is no way out of it. He can take something that you're just saying that is too far gone. There's so many things that the, uh, that right now that people uh, and I, I just think about ho- just just hopeless situations. You know, there's there's people that uh, have committed certain crimes and they have to wear the badge of that crime publicly everywhere they go um, all the, for the rest of their life. And I just think about, wow, what shame. Wow, what heaviness to carry that. Throughout their whole life, you know, and you just think about things that have happened and you're just like that cannot be redeemed. There is no way that that could ever be best thing that can happen there is we just leave it there and we walk away from it. But I'm telling you something, you serve a God that can do things that you Cannot plan for. You don't even know how it happened. But somehow he can take the worst things in our life and he can make something beautiful. And it's just like you, when you say it out loud, it almost sounds um, it almost sounds wrong or it's just like, no, 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 no. People have to get what's coming to them. Right. No, no. I have to get what's coming to me. And when you say it out loud that someone can walk away from something and be redeemed. And it don't sound right when you say it out loud. But when God is done with something, the whole thing is redeemed. Everything is brought. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about uh, redemption. That's what we're talking about when we say that he is faithful and he is just. Forgive us every time and will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Until when? Until it's all cleansed. Until it's all cleansed. So, um, it says in in Isaiah there, it says, you know, fear not, you won't be ashamed, be not confounded, for you will not be ashamed. You'll forget the shame of your youth, the reproach of your widowhood, you'll remember no more. So the shame of your youth is the things that you've done. The reproach of your widowhood is what's been done to you that you didn't have any control over. 
And that's a half of what we carry isn't stuff we've done. Half of what we carry is stuff that we can't let go of. That's been done to us. And I get it. I really do. I really get it that there are things that you can't let go of. It You can't. You cannot let go of them. Everybody's saying just let go of it or whatever. And you can't let go. I understand that. There are things that we that have been done to us that are so have such a hold on our heart that we can't just walk away from it. There are things that that are we know are poison to us, but we cannot let go of them. We've tried and we can't just walk away. We replay it. You know, we close our eyes and it replays in our mind. We can't just walk away. But he says this, this is his promise. The reproach of your widowhood, you will remember no more. This is we're talking about God's intentions through Jesus. The same scroll that Jesus read from and said, this is why I'm here. This is the same scroll. He said, um, so we can't be afraid. Whether we've done something or something's been done, we can't be afraid that what we've done in the past is going to catch up with us one day. If it's under the blood, it's redeemed. We will not come back. He said, you won't remember it. You will forget the shame of youth. This is what the next verse says. It says, for, and what that word means is, this is why. Right? What I just said, this is why that's true. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. Now, remember what I said. Uh, everything that Isaiah is saying here is very pointed and very intentional. The wording is not just off the cuff. This is crafted. And so he is crafting this to say something very specific. There's four things that he identifies God as in one verse. The first thing is our maker. Do you know what that means? That means that you are on purpose, number one. Once you've settled that, you can move on to the other thing. Which is, He designed you. That means that He was holding blueprints in His hand. And He didn't make a mistake. And He made you the way that you're supposed to be made. I'm saying in the beginning, because we've made ourselves a lot of ways we weren't supposed to be made. But in the beginning, He made you according to the blueprints. And so it says that He's our maker. That means He designed us then. But then it goes on to say that he is our spouse. Once in, I mean, just in that one phrase, your maker is your husband. What he's saying is he designed you then, but he intimately knows you now. He designed you. In other words, you're not standing out here saying, man, I know God, you know, made me this way. But here I am today out here so far from God. I'm out here, you know, and I've, I've messed up everything that God is in here. No, it says he made you. Yes, he knows what you're supposed to be. But he intimately knows you now like a spouse. He knows every part of you. He's close to you. Um. And then the, la- the the next thing is, he says that he's your redeemer. The Holy One of Israel is your 
Redeemer. Okay, let's walk back. Let's go back and let's keep, make sure we walk through this all the way. Your maker, he designed you then, is your husband. He knows you intimately now. The Lord of hosts his name and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. In other words, he will restore us to what he has made. He will restore us to what he has intended. And the last thing is the most powerful thing. It says the God of the whole earth is called. Do you know what that means? He can do whatever he wants to do to get it done. He has no limitations. You say, well, I hurt people. I messed this up. All of this is messed up over here. It calls him here in Isaiah, the God of the whole earth. That means that, that not only does he have, a, he, did he have a plan for you, not only does he intimately know you now, not only does he want to redeem you, but he can do whatever he wants to get it done. Amen. He doesn't play by your rules. He, he can do so much more, infinitely more than you can ask or imagine. That He has no limitations. If we can get that in our mind, that He has no limitations, neither would we. If we get it in our mind that He designed us, that He loves us and He knows us, and that He wants to redeem us and nothing is impossible to Him, then nothing would be impossible for us either. Are any of us walking in that? Are any of us walking in the fullness of redemption? Fully redeemed to what He's intended us to be. This is what it says. Uh, this is what we say a lot of times. I'm, I'm too far gone. I've done too much. Or some of us will, will say they're too far gone. They've done too much. So the question in response is, for who? For God? That's what we need to say every time that that, that, it, that, that is said. Even if it's our, our mind, it's like, they've gone too far, they've done too much. I've gone too far, I've done too much. For God? Are you kidding? Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. He is Lord over whatever limitation that you've put on yourself. Because of your past, whether you did something... Or whether it was no fault of yours. He is Lord over your past. He is Lord over everything. And there's nothing he can't do. There's nothing he can't change. The wages of sin is death. Make no mistake. That when we sin. The end of it is death. Did you know Adam and Eve. And I know you know this. But um, when they sinned. They didn't drop dead. But they did die. Because it's a path. When you sin, you start along a path. The destination is death. The destination of everything that is not in the kingdom, it separates you from God, is death. So, um, but the wages of sin is death. In other words, we only get to the end of the destination if we submit to shame instead of the God that wants to redeem. Instead of the God that wants to forgive and restore. You say, does it really want to forgive and restore? Easter, guys, Easter, come on. You remember Jesus died on the cross? He came. Y'all remember this part? 
Yes, he wants to forgive. Yes, he wants to restore. With his own life, he wants to forgive and restore. Um, but so the wages of sin is death. But God has given you the, along this path that leads to death. There is this blazing detour that leads to redemption that God has paid for in blood for you. At any point along this road to death, from sin to death, you can get off and you can be redeemed. He's made away all that we have to do. All we have to do is confess our sins. And He is faithful and just to forgive us from some unrighteousness. No, from all unrighteousness. So, um, y'all remember... I don't, I don't know if y'all remember, when I was a kid, they've outlawed it now, I'm sure. But there used to be this pink plastic bottle that was shaped like the, a genie bottle. Not like the Aladdin bottle, but like the I Dream of Genie bottle. But it was like this, uh, and it had a little calf on top, and I think it had a genie on it. And it was full of this liquid that was supposed to be a sugar replacement. Um, <clears throat> it was just pure saccharin. And if y'all know anything about saccharin now... Um, it's why I can't remember things sometimes because, uh, it causes memory loss and stuff, but it was just pure liquid, sweet and low. That's all it was. And, um, but when that came out, it was like sugar's killing you, you know, it's like, and it was killing me because I, I would have, I ate oatmeal every morning. I had a special oatmeal bowl. I loved oatmeal. And now I've got a son that loves oatmeal. I don't know what it is about little boys and oatmeal, but I had a special bowl and everything and. And my mom would give me my oatmeal. And and when I was growing up, I don't do it this way. It's totally a rabbit trail. Not in my nose. But um, they would uh, like stir oatmeal until it was slimy, you know. And then I would take a, a big tub of country crock or whatever the cheapest was. And just a big glob until it was just a film on top, melted. And then I would take sugar and just pour sugar until it was another layer, clear layer on top. Man, that was so good. And then maybe some milk, you know. It was so good. Every morning, I ate so much sugar. So this was supposed to save us all, right? Uh, you just put this on there. So I'm just like half a bottle in my oatmeal, you know. It's just like however much sugar I would put, you know. And so I'm, I'm, I can't believe I have a brain left after eating so much of that stuff. But it, at first, you were supposed to put a couple of drops in your tea, I think, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but, and you taste it, and you're just like... Oh, that's pretty close to sugar, but give it two seconds. Something happens in about two seconds after you eat that stuff. And you taste every chemical in it. It's this weird aftertaste kicks in. It's like, that ain't right. Something is not right. They, they have never been able... All of our scientific community, all of their brilliance, they have not been able to get the aftertaste out of artificial sugar. But anyway... So that was that, it was that aftertaste that was so awful. That is exactly the way shame is after, after we sin. It's like, it's like, well, that's, that's okay. That's not too bad. You know, it's, you know, that, that, that's, that's fine, you know, but then there's this aftertaste that hits us. We're like, oh, it's the same thing that drove Adam and Eve to the bushes. It's the same thing that caused Adam and Eve to hide themselves. Uh, it, it, and it's part of the destruction package that the devil has designed for us. Now I'm about to reveal the devil's tricks. So pay attention. The devil has very intelligently 
designed this whole process from sin to death. So don't ever think along the way that what you're feeling or what you're sensing or things has anything to do with you. It is something that the devil has designed to bring you along the path. The number one thing that he wants to do after guilt. Because let me, let me just clear, clarify something. Guilt is godly. I want you to hear me out. If I get to a place where I can sin and I don't feel guilty about it, then I, I, am, I am no longer... I, the Holy Spirit is, has no, no longer has sway over me. In fact, the closer I get to God and the more I begin to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, the worse I feel when I mess up. The more, the more I sense the difference between light and darkness. The more I sense uh, where I'm, I'm cold when I'm out away from the heat source. You know what I'm saying? The farther that I get and the closer that I get to God, the more the sense of guilt becomes a, just a, a, a knife in my heart. Now, here's the thing. It's one of the hardest things for a believer to embrace is conviction. But it will save your life. Conviction will save your life. So I'm not talking about guilt. Guilt is something that you should feel. If I mess up, I should feel guilty. Why? Because I am. Right? Okay. What happens next is been very well planned by the enemy. Because some of us can't even separate the feeling of guilt from the feeling of shame. Because they become so almost overlapping. As soon as we're guilty, we feel shameful. And shame is not godly. When we feel guilty, there is a response that the Word of God has outlined that we should have. The Bible says this. It says, now we can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy in our time of need. When do you need mercy? When you mess up, when you're guilty. Guilty people need mercy. Our first response needs to be to run to the throne. That's what Jesus died for. That's the price, that's that big price that he paid on the cross. That's what it was for. It's so that when we mess up in our guilt, we can run to him instead of away from him like Adam and Eve did. So it's part of this whole package. And the the purpose of shame is to hide you from your only hope. It's to hide you from the only one that can restore you. See, we... We'll, we'll hide ourselves in shame away from the only one that can resource because just like the enemy did to Adam and Eve, he's lied to us too. Did God really say? Did God, does God really mean that? You know? And so we lock ourselves away. Now here's the key to that. You lock yourself in shame. And that is the brilliance behind the enemy's plan. Is because if he can get you to make the decision, then God cannot override your decision. God won't override your decision. So you decide to lock yourself away in a prison of shame and put the key to it in your pocket. You have the key to the door to the shame that you find yourself in.
So, uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, they hid themselves. And did you know this? Don't give them too much flat. You know, there's nothing else they could do. They didn't have a redeemer. All they could do was hide themselves. There was no one to stand between them and the holiness of God. There was no one to intercede for them. There was no redeemer. What an awful situation to find yourself in. To be in the presence of a holy God and there is no redeemer. We don't have that excuse. You and I have a redeemer. Our redeemer lives. Our redeemer is, is, is constantly interceding for you. We have a redeemer. You know, but even with Adam and Eve, God wasn't a meanie and he, before Jesus died. That's not God's character. We see God's character when he came into the garden and he called out Adam's name. Adam, Adam, where are you? Where are you, Adam? I can, I can, I can hear the tone, the piercing tone in, in God's voice of, of, of just sad, not sadness, but this, just this longing to be, to, to be, have what him and Adam had before. Adam, where are you? Adam was ashamed to be in God's presence. Because he was guilty. Can I just clue you in? You and I are also guilty. Amen. Guilt. Guilt is not um, something that we need to uh, just say that. Um, guilt isn't something that we can just brush off. It's not something that we can just walk away from. And forget, guilt is not in question. If you did anything in your past that makes you feel guilty today, that's normal. Because you're guilty. But the first stage of redemption is a recognition of guilt. The first stage of redemption is not to sweep something under the rug and, walk and, and, and hope it just goes away. Because I want to tell you, that's what I, remember when I said that conviction of the Holy Spirit is the hardest thing for a believer to embrace. Because I will go days with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because I keep trying to push it down, push it down. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm, I'm so unholy. I would push it down, push it away like, no, 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 no. But then eventually it's just like, okay, God. I give up. I give in. And the whole time, the Holy Spirit is working so hard in conviction because He's trying to keep you out of shame. He's trying to keep you off the path, to get you off the path that you're on. He's trying to pull you out of that shame. We've got to learn to love it. We've got to learn to love conviction. Um, but the first stage of redemption is recognition and admission of guilt. I am wrong. I was wrong. That was wrong. We recognize that. But from there, we've got a choice. Because guilt will naturally move from there right into shame. We'll begin to say, woe is me. Now here's the shame. Shame. I mean, this is harsh, but I just want to tell you, shame is the same thing as pride. Shame is me thinking that I can manage something on my own. 
shame is me, whether it's through I'm just going to um, make myself suffer for the rest of my life in this area because I deserve it. Or we think that we can do some kind of we can do so, so much penance that somehow we can pay for what we've done. Can I tell you something? There is one, and I said in the early service, I wasn't going to say this in this service, but there is the only thing that you can do to pay for your sin. I won't say it the way I said it in the early service because it came out sounding bad. The only thing you can do to pay for your sin is hell. It's the only, that's the only end to sin with you dealing with it. The only end to you trying to deal with your own sin is death. So, uh, from there, um, it naturally we're going to move into shame. But shame is a lot like when my kids used to say, we used to, our kids used to get in, uh, our kids do get in trouble all the time. Um, but the, uh, our, uh, um, our youngest kids, they had a habit. I don't know if they passed it on to each other. And they shared this secret with them. I don't know. But each child, when they would get in trouble, they had this cute thing. It started with Allison, I think. They had this cute way of saying, I get myself a spanking. When they were little, I get myself a spanking. And with me, that don't fly. I'm like, you better spank yourself a lot harder than that little girl. Here, let me give you a belt to to use. You know, but um, that would, that would, that would, uh, they pull that on Leah. And Leah would let them get away with that sometimes. Let them give themselves a spanking. Okay, you give yourself a spanking. But our kids are probably so scarred, you know, from like, give yourself a spanking. You know, it's, um, anyway, the, uh, but so shame is a lot like that. So instead of facing a holy, righteous God with the sin that's in us, we would rather lock ourselves up. In a dark prison of shame. But today, God is calling you. And this morning, God is calling you. And He's saying you by name, calling you by name. And He's looking in your eyes and He's like, Where are you? Where are you? And you know what He's really saying? Come out. Come out of the prison of shame. You know what? He didn't make that prison for you, He didn't make shame for you. That is the destructive plan of the enemy. So what we do is we hide ourselves from God's presence. But we also, we hide ourselves from His plan and His purpose for our life. And we live life limited in an area. And, and listen, guys, if the devil attacked you in a certain area, it's not just because... You were born with a weakness and the devil knows that weakness. And so he attacks that weakness so he can get you to trip up any way that he, want, he, he wants. He's targeted you in the area of your strength. Guys, I want you to, re, to, to reconsider the way that you think about what the enemy is trying to do in your life. You say, well, he just found a, a, a weak spot. He just found. No, he targeted your strength. The enemy is after your strength. The enemy is after your gifting. The enemy is after your anointing. The enemy is after the one purpose you were put here for. That's what he's after.
He is he wants to cancel God's purpose on the earth in you. And that's what he's trying to do. So we hide ourselves from God's presence. We hide ourselves from his plan, his purpose. And guys, we hide ourselves from his people. God has intended us to confess our faults one to another. But who wants to do that? Right? <laughs> that is That seems really uncomfortable. So, but God has intended that, but we hide ourselves from His people. And in every part of our life, our spiritual growth has been stunted and limited. And in some cases, completely done away with. Um, this is what David said. By the way, hiding yourself from God is a joke. Hiding yourself from God is not possible. He sees you. He knows where you are. Isaiah told us that he is our maker and he is our husband. He knows what we're supposed to be doing. And he knows us right now where we are. No matter how far away from God you think somebody is, God is right there. This is what David said. He said, where can I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? He went on to say, if I make my bed in the lowest of depths, literally in hell. You're there. Why? Because I'm there. You're there because I'm there. And you are there saying, David, where are you? He's calling you by name. And so you can't... Let me, let me say something really bold and then explain. You cannot be saved. I want you to let this sink in. You cannot be saved from shame. You cannot be saved from shame. Because you hold the key. You locked the door. And God stands on the outside. The Bible says that He stands at the door... And he's knocking and I'm just thinking, Jesus, go on in. You made the house go on in. But no, he stands on the outside and knocks on a door that has been closed against him. Redemption is this. Jesus' full work on the cross is when we walk out. Of our prison of shame. We admit our guilt. And we allow him to fully redeem our past. When we do that. All of our regret. All of our shame. All of our. Yes. Even our guilt. That got us there. Everything melts away. Into a total release. To what he has done. Into what he has intended for us. I want to challenge you this morning. My heart breaks and, and was breaking before this second service because God was speaking, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me about me and about so many other people that are not living in the fullness of what God has intended for one reason. It's because we just don't think we can. 
We don't think that we're worthy, and we're not. We don't think that we're able, and we're not. And we limit ourselves from stepping into something that only God can do anyway. So my heart began to break this morning as I was just thinking about all the ways in my life that I could be here, but I'm here. Why am I here instead of there? There's no reason except that I just don't think I can be there or I should be there. Guys, I want to tell you, complete and total redemption is when I'm walking in the fullness of what He created me to be and to do. It's when God, my Maker, is standing there holding the blueprints and looking at my life as a spouse and as intimately knows me and they line up. How does that happen? It happens when I quit thinking that everything hinges on me. And I began to release God to do what only He can do in my life and bring me fully into my destiny. See, this is not about... Remember, you know, I, was, I, I did say that you are the only one that can unlock that door. But that's all you can do. When you unlock that door and walk out, it's got to be a total release to God. It's got to be a total release to... I know if I'm back in charge, I'm going to end up back where I was. I already know. How many of you, you know, you've you've fallen down enough times to know where the trip hazards are. So you know what's going to happen. Jesus is saying to you this morning, I believe this is a prophetic word. Jesus is saying, watch what I will do. Watch what I will do. God is saying, start now. You say, well, I just need to pay for this a little bit longer. (laughs) We don't say that, but that's what we feel, right? We're just like, ah, I just, you know, no. The blood of Jesus is crying out to you as a testimony The blood of Jesus is crying out for you to start now. There is Today is the day of salvation. There is no better time to start walking in the fullness of what God has called you to do and to be than right now. It's time that we come out of that thing and walk in the fullness of what He's designed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This morning, if you're in here and you say, when I think back over my past, there's this one thing and I'd rather not think about that. And I sure don't want to talk about that. I'd rather just walk away from that and pretend it goes away. Can I tell you something? It won't. And the, the, the next step beyond shame is the devil will deceive you into thinking that that thing has gone away and disappeared. But there is fruit of that thing that was going to constantly be popping up in your life. As you go on and try to live for God, that thing's going to pop up and say, you're not going to And you may not even remember where that thing came from, but it's the fruit of that thing not being dealt with. We've got to put everything under the blood. Everything. You say, well, 
I didn't have anything to do with that. That person did that. I can't let it go. I can't forgive me. It was just a cut too deep. Guys, I want to tell you, that thing will be with you the rest of your life except for the redemptive work of the cross. If you're in here this morning, you say, there are definitely some things in my life that I have not dealt with. And I've been walking in shame over those things. Whether it's been for a day or for 20 years. I want you to pray this with me. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord, and we just thank you for what you've done on the cross. Lord, we thank you for what you've done on the cross. Without the cross, we have nothing. We have no hope. We are on the outside of the kingdom except for the cross. And Lord, you have brought us back in with your, the price that you paid on Calvary. With your blood that was shed, you bought our freedom. And you bought us our freedom for the sake of freedom. So that we can be free to be everything that you've called us to be. So that we can be free to walk in your design for our life. Lord, right now we release every all of the shame from everything that we've done in the past. And we release everyone who's caused us shame. We release it all, Lord. So that we can walk in what you created us for. Lord, we refuse to live another day outside of your plan for our life. We refuse to live another day being a pawn of the enemy. Being led along like uh, uh, the Pied Piper. Being led along this path that leads to death. We refuse when you've already paid such a great price that we wouldn't have to. We refuse to walk this path another day. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we confess every sin. Lord, we give up all of the shame. Lord, we walk out of the prison that we've created for ourselves. Lord, and we just present ourselves fully 100% before the throne. We stand before the throne of grace because we need mercy. We stand before the throne of grace, yes, where the light penetrates every, everywhere, every darkness. And we say, know us through and through. Forgive us. Restore us. Redeem us fully, 100%. In Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I want to encourage you. I hope, if nothing else, if for me as well, but if, if nothing else, if you've got nothing out of this message, remember this. That shame, when you've done something wrong or when something's done to you or any time that there's guilt, shame is not by God's design. Shame is a design of the enemy. And the minute that you begin to walk in shame, you begin down the path that leads to death. But He has provided immediately at the time of guilt. He has provided redemption. He has made a way for you to be forgiven and restored. And there's nothing He can't do to get that done. So I want to encourage you to take that with you this morning. I love you guys. Y'all have a great rest of the day. And we'll see y'all in the midweek service.